0: 800 693 8290. That's 800 693 8290.
1: Live from San Francisco on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network, you are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with your hosts, Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi. Are you ready?
2: Are you ready? Let's get it on!
3: How's it going, everybody? Brian Alvarez here on Wrestling Observer Live. We are here every day, Monday through Friday, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, Sunday, 3 Pacific, 6 Eastern. A lot of news to get into today because it is Tuesday, and you know what that means. Last night, Raw, kind of an interesting show last night. By interesting, I mean it's different than usual, Raw's, because there were a few things on the show that I could complain about, but Raw last night had some good wrestling on it. Two matches. That, uh, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say pay-per-view caliber matches, but I mean, if you're going to compare, compare them to the, uh, lumberjack zombie match, actually everything on the show would be pay-per-view caliber, but two very good matches last night on the raw show. So we'll give you the full raw recap here on the program today. And in addition to that, we have a lot of news to get into. And when we come back from the break, Mike Sempervivi can talk a little bit about Don Cronodal. Passed away at 71 years old on Monday. Death was self-inflicted. Dave wrote, Kernodal was best known in the Carolinas as Sergeant Slaughter's tag team partner as one of the best and most underrated historical teams from the early 80s. Many consider the Slaughter and Kernodal cage match with Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood in 1983 as the most important wrestling match ever in the Carolinas since its success in turning so many fans away led to the first Starcade later that year where the show was available via closed circuit around the territory. Burlington, North Carolina native, trained by Ole and Gene Anderson, started his career in 1973. Multi-time Mid-Atlantic Tag Team Champion, NWA World Tag Team Champion, NWA World Six-Man Tag Team Champion. He was set to be inducted into the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame this July. So very sorry to report the death of... Of Don Cronodal 71 years old. A uh, story: Corina Dave was. He went to the doctor, and he was given bad news about his heart. And so he went home and and uh, shot himself. So that's the story. More with Mike Sempervivi after the break. Wrestling Observer Live.
4: I'm Ron Barr. All my life I've been active, playing tennis, pickup basketball, cycling and swimming. But let me tell you, as I've gotten older, my body now tells me when enough is enough and I've done too much. Did you know 100 million Americans suffer from ongoing pain due to aging, exercise, overexertion, and the effects of everyday living? I want to recommend Relief Factor to you. Relief Factor can help all those body parts that are hurting, sore, such as neck and shoulder back, hip, or knee, or just general muscle aches and pains. Here's what I recommend. Go to relieffactor.com to find out more. And Relief Factor has something special for the Sports Byline USA Network listeners. You can get their three-week quick start program for just $19.95. That's only 95 cents a day. So give them a call at 800-500-8384. That's 800-500-8384. Or Check it out at relieffactor.com.
2: Got to finish this today. Oy, Cristiano's construction projects typically run smoothly, but this project's pipeline is about to burst.
0: So, boss, where do you want us to put this? To the left. Your other left. John.
2: Indeed Stone can help him hire the people he needs.
5: I need Indeed.
2: Indeed you do. When you sponsor a job, you immediately get your short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. Visit indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
1: You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.
3: Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Sempervivi, also WrestlingObserver.com.
7: Lots of news today. Mike, any memories of Don Cronoodle? Got a lot of memories of Don Crunoodle, and I won't uh, bore anybody with too much of it, but if you if you look over here to my left is the replica poster of the final battle of Greensboro, which took place on March 12th, 1983, Don Cranoodle and Sergeant Slaughter against Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood, and it was a huge, big deal, as Dave mentioned last night on Wrestling Observer Radio Uh, Tons of people turned away. That was not a lie. This is how the wrestling magazines hyped it up. 16,000 fans turned away. Now, there were probably only 6,000 turned away. As the years have gone on, uh, Sergeant Slaughter has probably said there are 60,000 people that have been turned away. And you see the results of the match for Don Carnoodle and Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood, the ecstasy of victory, and of course, the agony of defeat. You see the crimson mask all over uh Don Crenoodle there. That feud between Sergeant Slaughter and uh Don Cronoodle and Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood is one of the best, if not the best, tag team feud of all time. How it was built up, how it was paid off. It is the they that was the tag team feud that made tag teams uh, a reminder that a tag teams tag teams can main event and tag teams could draw money and whether it be Arn and Tully uh, and right down into the DNA of FTR today um, it was the the ultimate tag team feud they were the ultimate tag team on both sides heels and baby faces and they had a lot of influence over what you see today uh, Don Cronoodle, I don't know if he's in the Hall of Awesome. He's certainly in the Mike Semper Vivi Hall of Famers Hall of Fame because a guy like Don Cronoodle is a guy that your favorites love to work with night in and night out. He was one of the last of the territorial superstars, you know, like Jerry Stubbs in, in, in Alabama. Don Cranoodle was one of those guys that could really only thrive in the territory days. Once wrestling blew up, went national, the body started to change. Guys like him, unfortunately, started to get faded out. But his legacy in Mid-Atlantic was incredibly strong. Began in 1973, even how he got into the business. uh, A wrestler at Elon College, he took an open challenge to face Bob Roop. And because he did so well... When he went back to the locker room, Oli and Gene Anderson were standing there waiting for him. And Oli Anderson said he did such a great job; he wanted to train him. And that's how he ended up breaking into the business. And he lasted as a star. Uh, he worked his way up, and then he got his big break as part of that team with Sergeant Slaughter and the Marines with Jim Nelson, uh, the privates, sergeants, privates, which was always, uh, you know, good for a laugh for the baby faces and. Ultimately, that team ended between Nelson and Carnoodle. Nelson turned babyface. Slaughter teamed with Carnoodle, and it was kind of off to the races from there. After Slaughter left, he had a really good tag team with Bob Orton Jr. He had another really good tag team with Ivan Koloff, and because of what he did with Nikita Koloff introducing him uh, into the angle, and then ultimately Ivan and Nikita became the thing, uh, to go feud with the Rock and Roll Express and with Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA and all those other guys that ended up coming a generation, you know, the the generation that we know after Mid Atlantic, the Dusty Rhodes era when he came in. Uh, Carnoodle was phased out, but it was a legend in the area. Always would show up for conventions. Everybody in the Carolinas has got a story about Don Carnoodle, and they're all positive and. I'm very, very sorry to hear what happened. 71 years old, as Brian mentioned, went and apparently got a checkup, uh, did not get the results. Uh, Apparently those results that he got were not good, and he decided he was going to go out on his own terms. And he did that, and as I mentioned, he's always going to be in the legacy on this wall. Uh, This was my first favorite wrestling feud. As a little kid, seeing this in the magazines, that's how I followed that feud and... One of the reasons that I'm sitting here today is because of Don Cranoodle, because I love the team of Steamboat and Youngblood that much. And when you have great baby faces, you need great antagonists. And Slaughter and Cronoodle were definitely that team and uh, just an iconic figure for anybody that grew up in that era. So my best to Don Cranoodle, his family, and anybody else that was affected by it. All right, we got, uh, if you want to send in messages, by the
3: way, we got some already here about Don Curnoodle, but uh, you may do so. Brian at WrestlingObserver.com or any of the other deals there. Uh, Stephen, I was very sad to hear about the passing through Hannibal.com. As a Louisiana native with the expansion of cable in the 80s, I saw the last portions of his in-ring work through Georgia Championship Wrestling on TBS and WWF on USA. I remember Bill Watts describing certain guys as being a catalyst. That was a good way to remember Curnoodle. Don't know if I ever heard him speak. He was great at getting babyfaces over and teaming up with other heels to pull a fast one on the faces to create heat. Being reported, it was self-inflicted. He had mounting health issues. I lost my dad the same way four years ago. We were not the closest father-son combination. I lived away from home more than at home. Still, he was my old man at a time where we become furious over seeing zombies on pay-per-views, and should be. This news put some issues in their proper place. I know and you know there are those within your audience who could be thinking about leaving the way that he did. Make no mistake, yes, indeed, you matter to somebody. Stay with us. I'm not saying it's easy, but stay with us. Many thanks for allowing me to get this out. Keep up the great work. That's Stephen in Atlanta. So, Brian at WrestlingObserver.com, if you want to send those in, text messages, 425-780-7566. We've got a couple of updates also from a couple of days ago. More bad news, but in a different way. So if you watch the zombie match, as, as bad as that match was, it's even worse because they had a spot in the middle of this match where Damian Priest came off the top rope with a spin kick, and he landed on Miz's leg, and Miz immediately grabbed his leg, and then he was favoring his leg. He still finished the entire match, but he was favoring his leg, and I remember thinking, man, I hope that's not... Bad, And it's bad. We don't know how bad, but he tore his ACL. So they're hoping it is a minor ACL tear, which would allow him to rehab and be back sooner than later. If it is a full ACL tear, he's out probably the rest of the year. And, I mean, it sucks getting hurt. It sucks getting hurt in a match like that, especially when you're a guy like Miz, who I don't think he's ever had a serious injury in his entire wrestling career. And what happens? Fluke thing in the middle of a match, a terrible match of that and now he could be out a long time. So, obviously the best wishes to Miz. Hopefully he ends up all right. But there you go. Another that match is winning worst match of the year. It just is. It's terrible
7: especially when you consider this result, you know, for any abuse anybody wants to, to pile on the Miz for his personality or, or whatever it is, bottom line is is he has been very fortunate that he's been able to avoid the injury bug. These types of, of crazy things happen. It's unfortunate it's in a match that is going to go down so reviled and it was just so completely ridiculous, but an absolute shame. You know, they don't need any other... Again, I know people get tired of The Miz, but they don't need any other bodies out right now. And he at least was a personality that when you steer it you know, correctly and you don't have such wacky feuds and you can utilize The Miz the best, you know, you, you're, you, there's a hole there. You know, there was a hole there on the microphone. There's another another body that's missing that gets a reaction, and it's just it's not good. So hopefully it's just a partial tear for his sake, and hopefully he can get back. But I tell you what. He favored that knee, but he didn't sell it as if he was badly injured. Uh, He gutted his way through it, and hopefully this is just a partial tear because I'll give it to him, uh, a ton of guts uh, to finish that matchup and and do it it as well as he possibly could under tough circumstances in every aspect. And by the way, the storyline right now, because he's out of action, is he was eaten by zombies. That's true.
3: That's the storyline right now. Are they going to cover this on Miz and Misses? Well, I don't know, because it was season finale last night. At least that's what it said in large block letters when the show started. Back in a moment with more, everybody, Wrestling Observer Live.
0: Three one eight hundred seven five four four five three one eight hundred seven five four four five three one. that's eight hundred seven five four forty five thirty one.
1: You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.
3: So apparently Showbuzz is still down. Huh. Remember all those times that we had problems with our website? Uh, Usually like 24 hours later we managed to get back at worst. Yeah. We're still waiting on Wednesday's chart.
7: Put in a help ticket.
3: It's it's Tuesday. Yeah, where's their help desk? Six days, and we don't have a a chart yet. Holy smokes! Anyway, so here's a quick raw report, everybody, from uh, last night. For those of you that are uh, just can't wait for this, so uh, the show was actually not too bad. We had an MVP promo where Bobby Lashley is issuing an open challenge for later on tonight. They spent three hours teasing that it was going to be for the title. They announced that it's for the title. And then MVP says, whoa, 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 it's not for the title. So for three hours, if you waited around to see a title match, boy, did they get you in the end. We had AJ versus Elias, where AJ worked as a total babyface. Babyface, babyface, babyface. Guy in the Thunderdome says, make sure you boo AJ. AJ's supposed to be a heel. I don't know what's going on. So they go forever. The match is boring. And then Jackson Ryker yanks him off the apron for the DQ. At this point, I was struggling to even stick with the show. Then we do a riddle promo backstage where Kofi Kingston challenges Randy Orton. And then we had another horrible Alexa Bliss segment, which honestly was so horrible, I turned off the show. Because it's my job, I turn it back on afterwards. But, like, talk about a breaking point. We're still in hour one. I can't take this show. Angel Garza and Drew Gulak. Angel Garza wins, and then stuffs a rose down his throat. We have a truth promo, and then he's rolled up by Tazawa. Like, at this point, the show is the biggest waste of time. It's horrible. Finally, it slowly begins to turn around. We have Randy versus Kofi, which at least was okay, although it had a trombone distraction finish, and Kofi rolls up Randy Orton for the pin. I mean is bad but compared to hour one it was it was at least I would go as far as to say
7: tolerable like when you're looking forward to the trombone distraction finish uh, as compared to other things on the show they they set me up for
3: this one I think to be uh to, to not you know whatever Lana Naomi and Dana and Mandy have this promo and Charlotte shows up and they agree that Charlotte will face Oscar tonight if Charlotte wins she gets a shot at Rhea, but they don't see what happens if Oscar wins I think the answer is nothing. <laughs> we have Natty and Tamina versus Nia and Shayna for the tag titles. I don't know what I was saying about how the show turned around because this also was bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alexa comes out with her doll and uh, magic occurs. Shayna gets distracted by fire and then she gets pinned. So Natty and Tamina... And by the way, Natty and Tamina in the segment with Alexa, they were disrespectful to Alexa. Alexa was mad at them, yet Alexa still helped them win and she went after Shayna for the second straight week, and I don't even know why. show was bad up to this point. Then we add Sheamus and Ricochet. Now, the bad is, the storyline yesterday is that Sheamus beat Ricochet clean, and then Ricochet stole his hat and jacket, attacked him from behind, but he's supposed to be the babyface. He then stole his jacket and hat again today. He's a thief. He's an admitted thief. The only one that calls him out on this is the heel announcer. The babyface announcers are acting like he's not a thief, even though he's admittedly a thief. All of this sucks. Now, the good news is they had a match which was very good. So this match, uh, Sheamus beat him uh, with the bro kick. He kicked his head off. This was the best match on the show thus far. Like, if you just want good wrestling, this was worth watching, But again, Sheamus, the total babyface in this scenario, but we're told that we're supposed to boo Sheamus and cheer Ricochet. I cannot wait for fans to come back. I can't wait for fans to be able to boo and cheer who they want and not have some guy in the back pushing buttons. All throughout the show, we have various people saying that they're going to cheer or they're going to challenge Bobby Lashley later on tonight, including Mason T-Bar. We had Charlotte and There were a couple of botched spots, but again, this ended up being a very good television match, and Rhea Ripley was out there. The story they told you was that Rhea cost Charlotte the match, but she actually didn't. There was one bit of distraction, but then Charlotte took over again. Charlotte goes for the figure four on Asuka oscar rolls her up and pins her so charlotte will not immediately be getting well in storyline. she won't immediately be getting a championship match but i think we all know that charlotte is getting the next championship match against rhea ripley in a singles but this was a very good in-ring match morrison and damian priest in a lumberjack match i mean it was much better than the match with the zombies i wouldn't call it a great match uh it was it was fine in fact some of it was even good Priest hit a middle rope, Hurricane Rana, hit his uh, whatever it's called, see the lights, watch the lights, look up at the lights.
7: Shoot the lights. What lights is Uh, it, everybody? Someone help me out here. Catching trails off lights. Um, Hit the lights. lights. Hit the lights. Hit the lights. Even
3: though the guy goes down. Like, usually you hit the lights on a backdrop. Shelton Promo, he beats up Cedric for being uh, disrespectful. And then after three hours, the guy to accept the open challenge is Kofi Kingston, who has already wrestled. They do a match. I mean, the match is all right. And then uh, MVP decides that he's going to hit uh, Kofi with his his, uh, walking stick, his cane. But Drew comes out. He takes the cane. Drew hits Lashley. Kofi Kingston pins Bobby Lashley. That's the end of the show. Only the fifth time that Bobby Lashley's been beaten in a year and a half. I couldn't even believe he was beaten four other times. I really couldn't believe that one of those four times, he lost clean to Ricochet. You guys remember that? Yeah, Yeah, because they wanted to set up Ricochet for Bobby Lashley. And so, I mean, they gave Ricochet more than they gave Cesaro. Ricochet actually got to beat somebody. He beat Bobby Lashley and then was brutalized and killed by by Brock Lesnar, but so I guess we're going to get at least one Kofi Championship match, and then Drew McIntyre and Lashley's clear of the direction there, but, I mean, there were ups and downs on the show. The first hour and a half was a big down, but the second hour and a half had some good wrestling, so I can't
7: say, like, oh, it was one of the worst Raws I've ever seen. It was just raw. Randy Orton and Matt Riddle still exciting you?
3: Bro, I don't even know where to get started. I mean he hasn't turned on the guy yet. Not yet. I mean they set up something that like was new and interesting and seemed fun. But you can see it's all like it was designed clearly so that Randy Orton could RKO Riddle. Or I mean there is the option that Riddle could turn heel. That's true. Because I mean, you know what we need when fans come back is for Riddle to be a bad guy. Well. I mean, I, I don't even know what's going on. I can't even I can't my I can't wrap my head around any of this.
7: But I mean I gotta be honest, as it stands right now, I would figure that Riddle and Orton they are it's like AJ and, and Omas. Like, how are they not baby faces in front of people, no matter what they try to do, no matter what their intentions are? Like nobody is going to boo them. It's not just that, and it's like we saw them
3: we saw them at WrestleMania in front of people. They were not booed. It was not an aberration based on how the match was booked, and everything that they have done since that point has had them in the position as faces. But yeah. for some
7: inexplicable reason, they've got to be heels. I don't get it. It's because it's impossible for them to do what they're doing, which is AJ do all of that work. To make a hot tag to somebody, it's, imp- it's just... Psychologically, it's not going to work. And forget about even, I mean... The thing with Omas is he's got that Sid Vicious thing. Now, granted, he's not Sid Vicious, but he's got that thing where since he's not doing anything because they're afraid for him to do anything... That he people are looking at him to do his one big move where the tree slam, I can't even remember what it is. But like like that, they just want to see it's like Sid power bombing somebody. No matter whether he's supposed to be cheered or booed, people are gonna cheer because they just want to see him come in and wreck somebody and leave. So you know, maybe they're going in that direction and Jackson Riker and Elias was like step one to that, but I I, I don't know. You know, they, they definitely they could use AJ Styles for real, for real, on the babyface side of the ledger, whether he's teaming with Omos or not. So I would love to see them go in that direction.
3: What's incredible to me is, like, I, I mentioned this before, I want fans back. As much as people don't like the look of the show, the look of the show, to me, ranks below this this fan thing in terms of problems. I have watched a year and a half of WWE where they have gotten the opportunity to do whatever they want and have the fans boo and cheer exactly how they want. And it's not making for a better show. I want fans to come back and let them know what they think about AJ and Omos and, and you know, whoever else is supposed to be a heel, but they're booked as a babyface or whatever. I can't wait for fans to come back. And by the way, on that note, we talked about this yesterday, so, uh, Money in the Bank is going to have fans, and uh, Met Men's Andrew Zarian, our own Andrew Zarian, says uh, Friday, July 16th, SmackDown, is indeed the first non-WrestleMania show with fans. So that's when they're coming back. Friday, July 16th for SmackDown. Then, of course, they'll be there for the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, and then they will be there for Raw. He has also noted that uh, there will be new stages New entrance ways, and uh, and that's it. That's when everything goes back to quote normal. There may still be uh, mildly limited capacity. Who knows? By July, a lot uh, of this will be wherever you you uh, live. By the way, if, if they go to Seattle, and Seattle says you can only be fifty percent, that's what they'll do. But that's when the fans are coming back. That's when I will have a party. Back in a moment, Observer Live.
8: Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up 5 quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil for $28.95 and get a $10 O'Reilly gift card after mail-in rebate. You can even order at OReillyAuto.com and we'll deliver it curbside. Protect your engine from sludge and wear at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, oh,
5: oh, O'Reilly Auto Parts.
7: Go to brightsidetaxrelief.com now.
0: Time for your small business report presented by Dell Small Business. If you don't know how to do something, don't think that Google can solve everything. Instead, it makes a lot more sense to pay a few hundred dollars or even a few thousand to have an expert who's been successful teach you how to do it. Because even though additional education will cost you money up front, it will more than pay for itself. Free courses are available, but they only scratch the surface. Paying to dig deep into a topic and really learn is the best bet. And that's your Dell Small Business Report.
6: It's Small Business Month, and Dell Technologies and Windows are celebrating your unstoppable drive. Save up to 45% on powerful PCs with Windows 10 Pro to work from anywhere, plus top monitors and docks for the ultimate business setup, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Speak to a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right business tech, server, storage, and cloud solutions at
8: 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL for Small Business Month savings. And now today's cleaning tip from Tubba heavy-duty cleaning wipes. Most people are disinfecting more frequently these days, but did you know there's a difference between disinfecting and cleaning? Cleaning is the first step before disinfecting, and is needed on a regular basis to remove germs, dirt, and dust from surfaces. Plus, keeping a clean surface helps minimize the growth of future germs. And now a word from Tubba Towels.
4: Oh, child. Oh, child. At Tubba Towels, we started with the toughest messes and quickly realized Tubba Towels heavy duty cleaning wipes can clean just about anything like stubborn brake dust, spilled paint, even permanent marker. There's literally thousands of uses. Proudly made in the USA with over 30,000 five star reviews. Find Tubba Towels heavy duty cleaning wipes at your local auto parts store, the Home Depot, Lowe's, and more. Look for the big yellow tub.
1: You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.
3: Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live, Mike Sempervivi, also WrestlingObserver.com. All right, we got AEW and NXT. There's an NXT tonight. What's so funny?
7: Nothing, just your exhale right there. By the way, how do I
3: sound with this new mic? Much better. Thank you. That's why why I got it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to buy a mic and
7: do a show, right? Yeah, yeah it's easy to buy a mic. Just but, do you it. Know, it's, it's not easy to be Mike. okay? By the way, I'm not for sale. Maybe for rental, but everything's negotiable. So no anyway, problem. NXT tonight. Thank you.
3: Johnny Gargano versus Bronson Reed for the North American title in a steel cage match. I'm hoping that's a title change. Zoe St- you know, if if Johnny Gargano doesn't have the North American title, he can do all of the ha-ha that he wants. Go for it. Knock yourself out.
7: Yeah, literally knock yourself out if no. you're not doing any more of this Johnny Gargano.
3: Stop okay? it. Okay. Zoe Stark versus Tony Storm. Ted DiBiase appears live at the Capitol Wrestling Center with a... I don't know what he's going to do. Pete Dunn is interviewed by <laughs> Arash Markazi of our own Mightier 1090 AM. In the time slot, live right now. And uh, Prime Time, Prime Target. Cross versus Ballard, too. I like their video packages, but. Anyway. So we got Dynamite Tomorrow. It's John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus the Acclaimed. Young Bucks versus the Varsity Blondes for the AW World Tag Team titles. Serena D versus Red Velvet NWA Women's Title. Christian Cage, Matt Seidel, Anthony Agogo, Austin Gunn, and Hikaru Shida versus Rebel.
7: Huh, how about that? What? Yeah. Hey, come on, man. I like Rebel. I like Rebel too, but like I don't need to see Rebel
3: in the ring for more no. than, you know, ten seconds. Let's Look, keep this you, one
7: quick. That one may go only 30 seconds long. So and yeah, Ren Narita's on dark too. Look at that. It's pretty cool. Hey, I'm happy Serena Deeb's back. I I don't know if this is the first match since her knee injury. I don't know if she's wrestling on the uh NWA fight show or not, but it's nice to see her back. And I mean what a good great person uh you know not the easiest person maybe for her to come back with with red velvet but a great person for red velvet to be working with for absolute sure
3: so how come like uh, all these new japan dojo guys are here on on dark where's filthy why is he not on that
7: show are they scared probably run through that uh dark roster yeah let me tell you something i'm i'm thinking and i'm not saying that this is the case it may be that John Moxley is starting this stuff up with Nick Gage and GCW because he figures that Gage may be easier than Filthy, and he may be running scared right now from Filthy Tom Lawler. I'm not saying that's what John Moxley's doing. I'm not saying John Moxley is terribly afraid of Filthy Tom Lawler, but, but I don't know that yet. We'll have to see how everything plays out. Hey, listen, moment.
3: I'll talk about this mocks here in a moment. First off, I think I know who's on the line here. You're on the air. What's going on? Hey,
5: Brian. Hey, Mike. It's Paul. Um,
3: I knew I'm it. I'm a little
5: bit late on this. Yeah, I'm a little bit late on this, but I had to call because I listened to yesterday's show earlier today, and you wanted people to call in and say why they enjoyed the zombie match. And I am not being ironic. You I know who this is,
3: everybody? Match. You know who's calling right now? This is not just some rando. It's Paul Fontaine, our ratings expert. Okay, it's, it's the uh, rando. Uh, it, this is a uh, this is a, uh, a respectable person, allegedly, and he's going to sit here and tell me with a straight face that he thought that the zombie match was was great. Tell me, Paul. No,
5: no, 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 no. I did not say that. The, the zombie match was horrible, but I loved it. I I was so entertained. They told you ahead of time it was going to be comedy. With the you know, with the Batista saying he's going to send some friends in, and John Morrison acting like a goofball. Wait a second, how does that mean it's going it to be comedy? Played...
3: Batista said he was going to send some friends it in. It, like, Batista's an MMA it, fighter, it brother. It like like, like when he says he's going to send some friends no, in, I'm no. thinking like Hoist Gracie's going to be there and oh, Vitor stop. Belfort. No, no, come on, come on. You knew what it was going to be. I didn't know it was going to be zombies. You,
5: like, trying to say, I'm not trying to say you should like it, and I'm not even going to criticize you for liking it. I'm just saying I, I like, didn't like it. I laughed my. I laughed my bleep off. And Why? I had so much fun watching that. Why? Because it was funny. It was so funny. Like, watching these guys, watching John Morrison, like, doing moves on zombies, watching Damien Priest kicking zombie butt, and then, you know, and then getting the hell out of there so that the zombies could swarm in. I just thought it was hilarious. Now, I didn't want to see Priest involved in that like that that was the only part of it i didn't like but i'm telling you i was nearly crying from laughing so hard it was bad but it was bad in a good way i thought and that's why i liked it and i'm not you know if you think it was horrible and obviously i'm in the vast minority like but yeah I'm not you sure are Ironic. like i liked it no i had i had fun watching it all i was right. entertained and all that's right. all i asked for especially wwe if this had happened anywhere else oh my god i hated it except maybe lucha underground but in wwe like i don't take it seriously like i just watch it to be entertained
3: all right all right paul i heard enough damn it i can't take anymore i can't take anymore hearing praise for these zombies but i will tell you this paul as i let Mm -hmm. you go here we got some people in the chat that think you're a troll he's not everyone listen he contacted me privately and told me that okay he honestly he, he enjoyed it immensely and you know what? You know why? You know why I'm not going to get mad about that, and I'm going I'm to give Paul the right to say that? I'm going to tell you why, okay? Because when it comes to comedy, it is true. Everyone has a different sense of humor. If Paul thought that was funny, and he laughed and couldn't stop laughing, fine. I didn't think it was funny. I thought it was
7: painfully unfunny. Mm. That's the kind of guy I am. You think Batista's got a, a big, expansive closet filled with clothes? No, he's got a big crypt full of zombies. Were you not paying mm-hmm. attention? So instead of asking about Drip, maybe somebody can ask how big is Batista's crypt? Yes, he's giant, He's a Batista Crypt Crypt. Is no. he going to show up here, by the way? Is he going to do something for this company? Bro, after that match, you ain't going to see this zombies? guy for like
3: five years. He's going to want to stay as far away. He'll accept his Hall of Fame nomination in, in 2030. <laughs> come back. Remind people of this. I can't imagine what he was thinking of when he was watching it. He probably thought they'd come up with something good. Actually, if Luke, I know Batista, he didn't think that. Anyway, John Luke Moxley. He's zombies. John Moxley's got an autobiography. It's called Mox. It's going to be That's released creative. November 2, 2021. <laughs> uh, it's a 272 page book. It says here, who's who's coloring it? Made available for pre-order today, and uh, I'll just say this, everybody, okay? I can tell you this about this Mox book, all right? This will not be one of those books where when you read it, it sounds like John Moxley told his story to somebody, and then somebody like wrote it down on paper and everything like that. It's gonna. This will be like, take this book. Bust out some alcohol, sit in the hot tub <laughs> or whatever, and and it'll be it'll be two hundred and seventy-two pages of having a conversation with John Moxley about his career. Okay. It will be in his voice. That I can tell you. So there you go. I think people
7: are gonna hopefully, like it. Hopefully the audible will be in his voice. I hey, speaking know. of Audible, do you know any books I could listen to on Audible, Brian? Well, I mean, there is the death of WCW
3: which was narrated by myself over the course of six years. So I'd really appreciate it if you listen to it. It's up there right now. If you get an audible free trial, you get two free books. One of them can be Death of WCW, and the other one can be whatever you want, The Holy Bible. So go up there and check it out. I was going to talk about uh, this Kenny Omega match, but I'm going to go to this seller this here first. Uh, you're on the air, buddy. What's going on? What's up, Brian? I don't know. You tell me. Hey, my finger's on the trigger button. Go ahead. Well, what's up?
5: Hey, he showed up in GCW. Well, John Moxley showed up in GCW to face Nick Gage. Yeah. Do you think that Nick Gage? He was rumored to be in AEW last year. Do you think Nick Gage shows up at AEW to return the favor?
3: Well, you know, I want to thank you very much for the call. I, I, I don't know. I mean. Listen, I say, I say yes. Well, here's the deal. Like, there have been some people that uh, that AEW, it would seem that they would end up in AEW. Uh, it's actually some of them that it would seem they would not end up in AEW. But I know that there are people that are not going to be in AEW because of some sort of controversy in their past. Okay? With that said, none of those people robbed a bank and served time. Now, he did repent. He served his time. He, uh, he, he paid his debt to society, as they say. So I don't know. I, I, don't know if maybe there would be concern about you know people learning about his past. But I mean, there's an A documentary or whatever it was, uh, Dark Side of the Ring. It's a Vice. So it's like, yeah. I mean, this is this is out there for everybody. It's not like it's a secret or anything like that. I mean, listen, I, I was I was killed by uh, by this man. He ended my career. But let me tell you something. Uh, these fans went, and maybe it was me, but like they went crazy when this guy killed me. So, I mean, he's a very, very, very popular guy. So I I was kind of surprised that I haven't seen him yet, and maybe at some point he will be there. And, you know, obviously Moxley's a huge fan because he's flying out. For all I know, it's on his own dime. I mean, he's going out there to shoot angles and everything like that. So I don't know. I'm kind of surprised he hasn't shown up yet, but I, I don't know how they think there. So I don't know
7: my the bigger question for me is how much or how many times Moxley shows up chasing Nick Gage at these GCW events you know what i mean because john moxley has brought back the independent spirit has he not i mean he has certainly helped you know at a time where we had the pandemic when we were already contracting with wwe and aew taking up so many of the people that were on the indies that were creating a buzz that could go from defy to aaw to wherever and be a draw everywhere and get people excited and a lot of those you know a lot of those opportunities started to dry up and once we punch out of this pandemic i don't foresee there being anybody other than john moxley who can lead the charge and truly have that spirit show up wherever whether it be a national tv on a wednesday night or on a friday or a saturday night of the smaller show looking for blood from somebody like Nick Gage, it's going to be really interesting to see how many places Moxley shows up and how many times he does continue to go after Gage or does continue to go after somebody on the indie scene.
3: Now, I will say that uh, as far as last year, if I recall correctly, he missed a substantial amount of time I don't remember if it was neck surgery or a neck injury or something like that. So it may have been that he was going to debut at some point, but he physically was unable to, and now he's getting back into the swing of things. So if I had to say, if someone said, you've got to say, will he ever show up in AEW or not? I would guess that he will. But we shall see. Hmm. Uh, Kenny Omega Andrade, I don't know if you guys have heard. Uh, Some people have. It is now official for Triple Mania. We taking place Saturday, August fourteenth for AAA, and uh, because of a lawsuit, uh, you can't watch it.
7: <laughs> Can you explain that? Uh, it's long story short. It's uh, AAA and Lucha Underground, correct? That's what's shutting everything down. I mean, maybe you could go there. And, you know, by
3: by uh, August, maybe everything will be worked out so that we will be able to see it. But uh, that's the that's the big match: Andrade, Kenny Omega, AAA Mega Championship. Kenny Omega, here's the thing. I don't think, I mean, I know, nobody's beating Kenny Omega as long as he's the AEW champion. With that said, AAA, title can change hands via DQ. And, yeah, like, if they really wanted their belt, I mean, Andrade could win via DQ and get the championship. I don't think that's going to happen, but I guess we'll find out. Back in a moment, everybody, with more Wrestling Observer Live.
0: That's 855-325-1780. Do you own an annuity, either
8: fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little-known truths about annuities, like how to help reduce your fees and increase retirement income,
0: 800-760-1845. 800-760-1845. That's
1: 800-760-1845. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.
3: Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer, live, Mike Simpervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. At some point we'll have these ratings up. I don't know
7: when. Hey boss. Yeah. Got a question for you. Would you go with a bunch of your friends, you know, provided that they're all vaccinated up and such, would you go to a movie theater to check out AEW? To a movie theater? To a movie theater. Yeah. They are working now in tandem with Joe Hand Promotions, who maybe people remember as the exclusive producer of uh, UFC and a lot of boxing content for bars and restaurants. Apparently, AEW has hooked up with them, as well as Cinemark Movie Theaters, to create a in-theater experience for wrestling fans, beginning with Double or Nothing on May 30th. Wow, there's so. a Cinemark
3: right by my house. Do you know that I once did a show up in British Columbia... And uh, as part of the weekend. Uh, they they had a a movie theater that was that was shaped like of all things, swear to God, a UFO. I'm making this up. And we went in there and we watched the WWE pay per view that weekend. It was a lot of fun. Hmm. I would I would gladly go to a movie theater and watch uh, Double or Nothing.
7: Did they have any deals like a dollar off a chicken sandwich or hot dog? I, I'm sure they had something. How many times in your career have you I'm sure you get with paid some in, wrestling
3: related gimmick, like it's the Mick Foley dog or the whatever. The bologna blowout? No, no, Mike. It's got a name after a wrestler. These are for your, your casual fans, not your right. insiders. Fair enough. You're, you're going to go to a movie theater with a normal person and say, hey, the bologna blowout's on the menu. Hey, it's the like, Brian Alvarez. Hey, we're out of here, everybody. I want to thank you all for listening. Later on tonight, myself and Vinny and Craig will review the Shawn Michaels A&E biography, which I am very interested in watching. That's why we're watching it. And then a bunch of other stuff as well coming up. And that's it, everybody. Thanks for listening. Mike, as always, callers and listeners, everybody in the studio. Talk to you next time, Twitch homies, Wrestling Observer Live.